Welcome to the Nopalera podcast, a place where I share the journey of building my company from the ground up, as well as the stories of others in our community. I am your host, Sandra Velasquez, founder of Nopalera, a culture-forward brand that celebrates and elevates culture. Aside from making great products, we are cultural storytellers with a mission to inspire our community to stand in their worth. In this podcast, you will hear a mix of solo and guest episodes around the entrepreneurial realities of building a company. I launched Nopalera from my Brooklyn apartment with no outside funding while working three jobs, raising my child in the middle of the pandemic at the age of 44. Thank you for joining me on this journey. I hope it inspires you to live boldly. Abby Haddikin is a multidisciplinary designer specializing in branding, packaging, typography, and illustration. Over the past decade, she's helped numerous established and emerging brands like Nopalera bring their stories to life with design work that's artful, original, and made to last. She approaches her projects like she approaches her life with joy, curiosity, passion, and playfulness. I am so excited for this conversation because the question I get asked the most is, Sandra, who did your branding? Everyone, I've been so transparent about my journey that the first thing I invested in was branding. Even when I had no money, I knew that it was going to be the thing that made or broke my brand. So I'm so excited for you to hear from the woman behind what we call the cactus goddess, Abby Hannigan. Let's dive in. Okay, Abby Haddikin, welcome to the Nopaleta podcast. Hi, Sandra. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited for this conversation. I know that everyone else is as well because I can't tell you how many times people have asked me, who did your branding? Who did your branding? So much so, Abby, that I actually had to make it an auto response on our Instagram DMs. Like you can create these auto responses, <laughs> you know, like people are like, do you wholesale? Like, so there's like all, an auto response, like, please contact so-and-so, right? Who did your branding? And like, so your name was an auto response because I got tired of answering. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Well, I love it. That's great. <laughs> yes. So, um, I want to start with like the big questions and then work backwards to dive into like, who is Abby Haddock who is this woman? How did you start doing this? Right. So let's start with the big questions, the burning questions that everyone wants answered. Um, Abby, what is branding? Oh, gosh. I, <laughs> I, I actually I'm probably an expert and I have no idea how to answer that question. <laughs> um, I from my perspective, branding is just visually telling a story. Um, you know, telling the story of the product. And I think what I try to do in branding is give people an immediate, something immediately that they can latch onto and tell in like, you know, two seconds what this brand is about. There's always more to dig into. There's, you know, there's all kinds of facets of it. They can go on the website, they can go on social media, they can actually read the package. There's a lot more to it. But for me, branding is kind of about boiling things down to their essence and communicating them really quickly and really clearly. Yes. Clarity and brevity yes. are two best friends. <laughs> yes, Tell me quickly, absolutely. who are you? What do you want? Yes. Um, I love that. And so can you tell me, like, when did you first discover that you were good at this thing called branding? I discovered it a little bit late in life. I, I studied English when I went to college. I was way, way out of college. I was like in my late 20s before I ever honestly had even heard of graphic design. So I um, I came to it quite late and I ended up just getting really interested into not necessarily branding, but graphic design. And then I went back to art school and I sort of found that 
branding for me is a good outlet for my creativity because I'm only kind of creative. Like I, what? I don't. Okay. I reject that sentence, <laughs> but please explain. Please explain. I think, um, you know, there are some people who are just like purely creative. They're just having like ideas all the time and it's very personal and they're like on the cutting edge. They're avant-garde. They're doing crazy things. And for me, I need a lot of inputs, which is why I like working with other people. And I like working with branding because I mm. really like to have, somebody else give me some raw material that I can then sort of like think about and play with and then regurgitate back in a way that hopefully connects and and makes sense. So I'm really good at organizing ideas and synthesizing them and boiling them down to their essence. But I do like to have some input from somebody else. A vision, right? Direction. A vision. Yes. And Sandra, that is exactly what you brought. (laughs) Okay. I'm not paying Abby to say this for everyone that's listening, but you know, this is so important. I actually just last night or yesterday, I should say, I taught this free like brand building workshop to really walk people through like, here are all the things that I did in the very beginning when no one cared, no one knew what I was doing, there was no money and really defining like the vision. Like that's actually where it starts, right? And let's just dive into that really quickly because people think that a brand is like you hire someone to draw you a logo, right? And that is not, do you agree that that is not a brand or what do you think? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm to be honest, I feel like the logo, like it's important, but it's definitely is not the brand and it certainly can't do all of the work of, uh, of the brand. And if you, again, like I'm, I'm a designer, I'm not like a creative artist. I do need those inputs. So I need you to bring something to the table. And in your case, you came with probably one of the best, um, like presentations I'd ever seen. Like the first day we met, you were like, hi, I have this whole deck. I'm going to take you through it. Here's my vision. Here's what I want to do. And specifically, I think what you wanted to do was not like make soap and sell it, right? Your vision was really big and bold and it was about telling stories and it was about culture and it was about, you know, it was just about like making a Latina brand that was super high end and it was going to impact culture in a positive way. And so to me, like that's so much richer than when somebody comes to me and just says like, I have a product and I want to sell it. I'm like, okay, well that's, it's not a good input for me. I can't really synthesize that information into something creative. Yes. I love this so much because this is exactly what I said to everyone yesterday. And and a lot of people were like blown away, like, wow. So you were really organized in the beginning. Like you came with like a presentation with a creative brief. And I'm like, yes, because here's the thing, right? People, and here's like the next big question, right? Is people always ask me, how much does branding cost? Mm. And I'm like, how much does a car cost? You can buy a used car, you can buy like a Tesla. There's lots of different, like the price range is huge, right? But people want like a number to latch onto. And the reason I don't like to give hard numbers, not only because every project is different, but because people think, okay, if I just raise that money or if I go find that money or if I borrow that money, then I'm going to go and get X result, right? And I'm like, you still have to come with a vision, you still have to come with a vision and you also have to get the right person because um, you could spend $300,000 on the world's fanciest marketing agency and like come out with something mediocre yes. or you could spend $300 on like a really great art student who's giving you way, 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 way too good of a deal, but you could still sometimes like get good results from that. I, I, I will yes. say like you should probably come with a budget uh, in the thousands for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But you know, our really, students out there, 
Wait, anyone charging three hundred dollars? You're undercharging. Okay, go oh, on. You're you're under. You're <laughs> definitely undercharging, like uh, for sure. But you know, you can find a diamond in the rough, and so I think it is. Um, you know, you want to come with a healthy budget if if you can, but. Um, ultimately it's about like finding a person who you can communicate with, who, um, understands your vision and who has other work in their portfolio that makes you think this person is going to be able to do what I want them to do. Right. So let's talk about that. Right. I I love this conversation because you're just like leading me to the next questions, all the questions (laughs) that I have for you, which is how do people find designers? Right. Because you're saying, okay, look at the portfolio. Okay. But first tell me, how do I even find them? So where, I mean, you're in the design world, right? So you look at those publications, you follow those people on Pinterest or on Instagram. So you know other designers, right? But a lot of people out here who are starting for the first time, right? And I was very fortunate because I already knew you, right? So um, when people are like, how did you find her? I'm like, I already knew her, right? So that's not helpful, right, to mm-hmm. people that are starting for the first time. So for people that are going to start their brand for the first time, let's say they have a bold vision, they're like serious, they're dedicated, they're committed. Where do they look for people like, because you're just one person, you can't brand everyone, <laughs> <laughs> right? right. So, right. Much so, as I would like to, I just yes. can't do it all. Yeah. It's just um, Abby, y'all. Like there's no, she has no assistance. So, you know, where do people look? Well, I actually think finding a good designer is probably the absolute hardest, maybe the second hardest thing. Cause I think having a strong vision for your product and where you want your brand to go is the hardest thing. Amen. But Amen. I, I think finding a designer is really tough. I think a great place to start is getting recommendations or like doing what people <laughs> have done with you, which is like, right. they, they, they see your branding. They love it. Like reach out to the, you know, if you can't find the designer, reach out to the company and find out who did yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but I think like, it's not going to be easy. So there are websites you can go to like Behance or like Pinterest, Instagram, and kind of like find designers work that you like and try to contact them. Mm-hmm. But like, it, it's hard. Even, um, I, I think evaluating a person's portfolio and evaluating their, mm-hmm. their work when you're not a designer is very, very difficult. So I I don't know that I even have advice on this. I will just say it's difficult and it's probably (laughs) going to take a long time Yes, and not everybody's going to get back to you. Um, but I would recommend having like multiple conversations with multiple different designers Yes, because the more conversations you have, the more you're going to hear how they answer your questions. And then you're, you're going to know better, like what questions to ask as you have more conversations. So I, I feel like it's like dating. You don't want to just like, you don't want to marry the first person you date. Right. Like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, I love that. And I love this concept, right? Because I'm very transparent. I tell people like our branding, right? The work that you did, we did that for nine months, right? This was not like, hey, Abby, can you make me a logo? And then like, boom, we had a logo. No, right? We had five different directions, all, you know, RIP to those other four that did not make the cut, right? Like we still <laughs> need to get those tattooed on our bodies someday. But, you know, this is a long process, right? And it, it takes even as long as making the products, right? And so start early, right? And it is the branding, you know, what you have built, like for Nopalera, is what has gotten us to where we are today. When people ask me, um, Sandra, how did you get into Nordstrom? I'm like, I invested in branding. Sandra, how did you get into so many boutiques? I invested in branding. How did you get selected for this cohort? I invested in branding, right? Like, that is the answer, right? Because like you said in the beginning, we first, we are visual creatures, all of us, right? And we first shop with our eyes, right? And we need to get things. We need to understand it immediately, right? So when people look at this brand, they're like, that's a Latina brand, <laughs> right? Yeah. There's no like, I don't know what this is, right? Because if that is happening in the minds of your customers, I don't know what this is, that's a red flag, right? Absolutely. 
It needs to be clear as day. So going to these all these places, which we'll link in the show notes of where to find designers and you know, having conversations with them. Also to, you know, what you're saying is like you're catching their vibe, right? Is this somebody that you want to work with? Because you're gonna spend the next year talking to this person back and forth, right? Yeah. And and vice versa, right? So this is like the other thing, right, that I want to talk about is just because a founder has the money doesn't mean that you, the designer, want to work with them. That's true. And I think that's something a lot of people don't take into consideration. And designers, there's a lot of things you consider when you're taking on a partnership. Like, as you mentioned, I can't brand everybody. I have to be, I'm only one person and I only have so much time. So I have to be really select about the projects I take. Yes. And there's all kinds of things that I'm taking into consideration. Um, some of it is personality. Like, yes. Like a lot of it is timing and budget. Those are like the two things that right away Mm -hmm. are either like a yes or a no. Like if you need it too fast and I'm not available, then that's going to be a no. Or if your budget is just too low and I can't do it. It's $300. Your budget is $300 is a no. Yeah. That's, that's going to be a definite no. Yeah. Um, you know, so those are kind of two things, but then it's like personality. It's like, how interesting is the project? How, Mm -hmm. how much do you want to do it? How fun does it seem to work on? Um, and then also certain other things like, is it something you think you'll do a good job on? There are certain types mm. of brands or certain types of like visions where I just don't think I'd be a good fit. Can you dive into that really quick, Abby? Like, what are some examples where you're like, I don't know really how to tell the story? Like, are there some examples or is it like a specific vertical or specific product type? Or like, can you just give us some examples? Yeah. Um, sometimes like if it's something really niche and this is interesting because like, Nopalera is really niche and Nopalera is talking to a very specific audience and you're doing a specific thing, which is like, you're just very like loud and proud about being a Latina. And I am not a Latina. I am, I'm white. I live in the upper Midwest. I've never even been to Mexico. So you might think like <laughs> everybody, is- the woman behind the brand, listen, this is why Abby is so good at what she does. Okay, go on. You know, so like on the surface, you might think that's not a good fit for me. But number one, I knew you and I loved you. But I also like I love digging into like cultural things. And it's, mm-hmm. it is kind of this is probably like a totally other topic, but it's a very fine line between channeling somebody's culture and appropriating that mm-hmm. I uh, you have to mm-hmm. be careful yeah. about. But then um, like that's just interesting to me. But there's other like if a I don't know, a football brand came to me mm. or something or like baseball or skateboarding or like okay, basically where, sports. Okay. <laughs> I'm hearing sports. <laughs> basically sports. Yeah. Or I mean, just like subcultures where I know there are other designers who are really into mm. it and would just like love the project and really know what they're talking about or like snowboarding or something. Yeah. So mm. basically sports is not my, <laughs> sports is not my lane. Listen, I'm right there with you. I'm like the playoffs. Is this baseball or basketball? Like don't talk to me about sports. I know nothing. I don't yeah. care. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so in some cases, the project, it might just be something that I'm interested in digging into. But in other cases, I might just think like, there are so many people who are like very into this thing. And it's not me and, you know, somebody else would do a good job. And then another thing, as a designer, you want to have an interesting and or at least for me, I want to have a broad portfolio. So I'll say no to things sometimes simply because they're too close to something I've just mm-hmm. done. And You're that like, actually I've already happens. done a Latina bath and body brand. Sorry. Well, yeah, I mean, exactly. And in fact, I do get a lot of people who are doing something similar to what you're doing. And I usually have to turn them away because I'm like, well, I've kind of like been there, done that. I don't know that I have more to contribute to the conversation Mm. than I already Mm -hmm. have. And I also, I don't want too many things that are too the same because I'm going to get typecast right? and I'm going to get stuck doing the same thing. And I don't want to do that. So there's just a lot of things a designer is taking into consideration too, in terms of if they want you um, for a client. So like, it doesn't mean that you're not going to be a great client for somebody, but people may say no for various reasons. Right. Okay. 
I love that because I think that that is so eye-opening and informative because, you know, the thing with human beings, all of us, is that we always think about things from our perspective. Okay, I need to go hire a designer. And if I just go find one and I give them money, they will do what I want them to do. No, folks, the answer is no. The answer is not always because of everything that Abby just said, which is so enlightening. Like you have to think about how is this helpful for the person on the other side of the table? That's in everything, in all of life, right? Like that's in sales, that's in, you know, branding as well. So I love that. Yeah, um, totally. And it's really, you know, it's like, it always reminds me of like pretty woman when they won't let her shop at the fancy boutique. And then she like comes back with Richard Gere and, <laughs> and she gets to shop. <laughs> but it's like, it's not like retail. Like if you have money, you can shop anywhere. You know, mm-hmm, you can buy any car mm-hmm. you want. You can buy any clothes you want. But because of the nature of like the relationship and how long it is, as Sandra mentioned, it took us yeah. like nine months to do the branding. It's like, yeah. you know, people can't just say yes, because then that means they have to say no to something else for the next nine months. Right. And so do all of your projects take as long as ours took? Like, is it always nine months or sometimes is it longer or sometimes can it be shorter? It can be shorter. I usually tell people like minimum, like bare minimum four to five months. Mm -hmm. And then things tend to just stretch out either on the design end or on the product. end. like sometimes what is happening and um, part of what stretched your timing out is that we're also waiting for other things to happen. Like we're getting the formulations figured mm-hmm. out. We're working on finding a vendor for printing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're just figuring out some of the logistics too. And when that's mm-hmm. happening, like side by side with the design, it's like a hiccup in one part will kind of be a bottleneck for another part. So right. when someone comes to me and says they would love to be like on shelf in a year, I'm like, that's a that's fantastic. That's, <laughs> You're like, great. Let me look at 2023 right now. Yeah, because I'm like, if we start now, that is actually realistic because a lot of people want, they just want to do it immediately. And the reality is things always, they just always take so much longer than you think they will. Yes, 100%. It always takes longer. than And not to mention with branding, like, you know, and I've, I've said this before in interviews and just in webinars and whatever, it's like when I first had the idea for Nopalera, the first person I called was Julie, the second person I called was Abby, right? Because I knew that this was going to make or break the brand. And so that's why you were the first phone call. Like even before I knew what the products were, right? Like I look back to our old decks and you mocked up these other products. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot I was going to make this random, you know, solid face moisturizer, which we you know we didn't make. But the point being that I knew that it was going to be a long process, right? And so that was like, let's get the ball rolling now because it's going to take a long time, right? So I think it's really eye-opening for a lot of, you know, new founders out there who want to do branding. The setup time, you guys, right? The foundation, it takes a long time, but it is so worth it because if you do it right, you do it once. Yeah, and at one, I think the doing it right is so important too because you'll definitely find designers who tell you that they can do it really fast. But in my experience, letting things gestate and like really thinking about them and working on them a little bit and coming back is kind of like a slow circular process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I've been doing this a long time at this point. So I could just whip out something that looks like branding in a couple of right. days if I, if I really wanted to, but it wouldn't be new. It wouldn't be like fresh. It wouldn't be super customized to what you're what you're doing and I think what I do is literally an art right it's not a science yes <laughs> and sometimes art is unpredictable and it um you know it's like nine women can't make a baby in one month mm-hmm. it's, kind of, it's kind of kind of that thing it just it I needs to gestate that. it needs it needs to cook and it really doesn't matter how many resources you throw at it like you sometimes just can't rush the process I love that saying. I'm going to use that. So now let's like work backwards, right? Because those are all the big questions, right? That people always ask me that I wanted, I want everyone to hear 
it from you because you are the designer behind Novaleta. But now let's like work backwards about like who is Abby Hattikin? So, you know, I, when we had our company offside last year, I was so surprised to hear that you have not been doing this your entire life. Oh. I was like, because you're so good at this. What do you mean you started late? What do you mean you, you studied English and you had no idea? Like, I thought you were doing paintings and branding when you were five, right? So all of this is like, was just so interesting to me. So can you just walk me back to like, what did you think you were going to do with your life? Like when you were a teenager, what did you love to do? Did you draw at home? Like, did you just doodle? Did you just walk me through like early Abby Hattigan? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think like as a young kid, I liked drawing and I always have kind of like doodling, but I wouldn't say I've ever had a serious drawing practice until later in life. And um, I actually feel like something that happens to a lot of kids just because of like school and the way school is structured is you kind of figure out what your thing is and then you stick with that thing. Mm -hmm. And in my case, like I didn't have, I probably would have been interested in taking art classes or something, but I didn't have room because I was in band. And so (laughs) what I was really into when I was in high school was music. And so all of my electives were like band or like jazz band or orchestra or, you know, like. Wait, what instrument did you play? Have you told me? I play clarinet. Oh my God. I can see this. I love this. Okay. I played clarinet too when I was like in third grade or something, but anyway, okay. (laughs) I love it. So I actually was, uh, I was quite serious about clarinet for a while and I thought I might have studied music in school. And then I just kind of ended up not doing that. But the other thing I really liked doing was reading and writing. And so I decided to study English Mm. with the possible thought that I wanted to be a teacher. And then what happened is, so I went to college, got my English degree, um, had stopped doing music at that point or not doing it very seriously. And then I went into the Peace Corps after college because I wanted to see what it was like to be a teacher without, without having to like go get a master's degree or whatever, mm, a teaching mm-hmm. degree. Like I, I kind of, I had this feeling that maybe I wouldn't like it. And that did turn out to be true. So I went to, <laughs> I was in the Peace Corps for two years and I was a, an English teacher and I really actually didn't like teaching very much at all. So I kind of figured that out about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then came back to the U.S. and I started doing freelance writing. By this point, I'm like in my mid-20s and I'm doing like freelance writing. Like I'm writing copy for websites. I'm running newsletters, blog posts, like that kind of stuff. Like just like for hire, right? Is that what you mean? Like people would hire you to like write these things for their websites and stuff? Yep. Yeah. People would hire me for that. And I kind of came in like there are some copywriters who like kind of come in like working for a company or working for agencies, but I didn't do that. I just came in through the back door and I was kind of like a random like hippie like (laughs) kid in my 20s who was just mostly like partying and like hanging out and trying to work as little as possible. And then... (laughs) As you should when you're in your 20s. Yeah, as you should. Uh, If you don't waste some of it, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, because I had started working as a writer, I started working sometimes together with graphic designers and I saw what they were doing and I thought it was just like really interesting. And Mm. then what kind of happened, I think, is that like something... The first time I tried doing graphic design, like I got my hands on some software and software is not graphic design. Graphic design is really, um, it's more than using the software. I'll tell you that much. But, um, so I I got my hands on graphic design software for the first time and I started like playing around with it and using things. I think something just clicked in my brain. And, you know, as I mentioned, like I had done writing, I had done music, but I think it was the first art form I found where I got 
fully just immersed in it. And like, mm. as like a musician, you're probably familiar with like the idea of a flow state yes. where you're just like super interested in it and it just keeps you busy for hours at a time and you kind of right. like you lose track of time. And so for me, like doing very terrible um, rudimentary design, it just something clicked in my I brain. I would love to it, see this design, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's not terrible. Oh, I'm, I'm sh- I can tell you for sure that it was. It takes a long time to be able to do good design. Yeah. Um, but something about the process of working on design just clicked and I just fell in love with it. So then I, um, I kind of taught myself as much as I could. And I, I was working for clients for probably like $300 a pop or whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> but this much. is as a designer now, is that what you mean? Like now, so, not yeah. no longer as a writer, but now as a designer, like you're starting to get your first clients. I'm working, I'm doing freelance design, but really like I am not good. And I, I know that I'm not good. So I'm kind Apologies of, to all of those past clients. Yeah. Apologies. Um, but what I will say is I've always been a good communicator and I've always been really good at listening. So I think I um, was able to get clients even when I didn't really know what I was doing in design, just because I kind of understood how to communicate. Um, and then at a certain point, I kind of realized like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't think I'm ever going to be satisfied with the level at which I'm doing this. And then Mm. I went back to school. So then I went back Mm. um, to a traditional art school and I did like the traditional first year of art school, which is like, you learn how to draw, you learn how to paint. You just sort of like, um, it's called the foundation year. You get the foundations Mm -hmm. of art, which are things that I really had never had before. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I went through art school and then I started working for branding agencies. So it was like a very winding long path to get there. So that's incredible. I love that you discovered this late, like not late in life, right? Like you weren't, you know, you're still young, right? But it's not something that you've been doing, you know, since you were five and you didn't expect that you were going to be doing this necessarily, right? Like this was not what you imagined you'd be doing as, as your career. Yeah. I'd never heard of it. (laughs) Right. You're like, wait, what is that? That's a career, right? And so now, like, obviously you have a lot of experience. You've worked on a lot of, you know, high profile brands that are you know, national, like, you know, like, for example, no paleta. No, I'm kidding. But other ones, really. <laughs> and so now, like, can you just like dive in a little bit about your process? How do you begin, right? So like a founder calls you, hi, Abby, I'd like to share with you my my vision deck, my creative brief. Now what? <laughs> what happens? Like, how do you begin? How do you, like this like process of like the synthesis that you've talked about, but given the input then, because to me, it sounds so emotionally laborious because you really have to immerse yourself to become this like visual translator. Like I imagine that like you have dreams and like you have, you know, like how do you ever separate (laughs) yourself from your work while you're in the middle of a project? Yeah, well, it is very emotionally intense. You know, I mean, it takes a lot of work. Um, I I won't tell your uh, listeners what branding should cost because as I mentioned, there it can be low, it can be high, it can be yeah. across the board. But I will tell you that an average and actually like smallish project takes upward of a hundred hours for me, mm-hmm. like mi- minimum. And sometimes it's in two, 200, 300, 400 hours. Like, yeah. so, you know, that is a lot of time to spend on a project and I definitely do um, dream about it. But the process for me, it actually starts with the first conversation. Like mm-hmm. if people email me or something and, and they seem like somebody that I should talk to, like the basic parameters kind of fit, then we'll have a conversation and um, I'll just kind of like, you know, I'll try to catch their vibe. They'll try to <laughs> catch mine and I'll yeah. just kind of try to dig into what the scope of the project is going to be, what they're trying to accomplish, what their timelines are, what their vision is. Mm-hmm. And then I'll write a proposal for them. 
mm-hmm. um, to kind of describe how we're going to approach the project, you know, what it's going to cost, all that kind of stuff. And uh, I'm starting there because I think the proposal process is actually a really important part of the conversation mm. because I consider like, if I write you a proposal, it's kind of a draft. It's like, based on what you told me, here's what I think we should do. Mm-hmm. What do you think about it? And to be honest, most people don't really question it and they kind of go, okay, yeah, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. But mm-hmm. I, I want to tell your listeners, there's always room to push back. You should be critical when you get these proposals from designers and you should really dig into what the details are and make mm-hmm. sure that you are getting what you want out of it. And if there's mm-hmm. something that doesn't sound quite right, then have a follow-up conversation and yes, ask them about ask it. questions. Because it really is about like, crafting the the project. And then once I start a project to like to get started, um, I have a couple of exercises I like to do. Um, so number one, I always have at least a kickoff call or a kickoff mm-hmm. meeting that'll usually last a couple of hours. And it really is just a pretty loose conversation, but just really digging into like what makes them tick, what is uh, unique about the brand, mm-hmm. what what do they want to do, where do they want to go with this company, like what are the products, but then also where do they want to be like a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, like what's such an the, important question. Yes. The vision. The um, actual vision. The actual vision. Beyond like so this year. Yes. The process I do is different from what other designers will do, but I think all designers have some version of this or they should anyway. And so what I like to do is kind of make sure before I start designing that I'm on the same page with the person I'm designing for. So I do two specific exercises. One is something I call an image sort. And Mm -hmm. I basically just gather a bunch of images. Like you did this exercise. I gather like 200, 300 images, Mm -hmm. other branding, packaging, colors, like Mm -hmm. whatever Mm -hmm. fonts, like other things, sometimes cultural inputs, like Mm -hmm. for you, it was like textiles and pottery and like things from Mexico that kind of like, Mm -hmm. you know, to kind of figure out like what kind of things do we want to be pulling from? Mm -hmm. And then I have my clients sort them into three folders, things Mm -hmm. they love, things they hate and things they're neutral on. Mm -hmm. And the reason I do this is it's kind of a filter because I only pull things that I like or think would be interesting Mm -hmm. inputs for some reason. So then basically they just filter out all the things they don't like. And then we end up with this pile of things that we both feel good about. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just sort of, it's a way for me to understand aesthetically like where they're at and, Mm -hmm. you know, what their vision is, because I think the aesthetic part is very hard to describe. So sometimes just responding to other images is the best way to get that across. Mm -hmm. And then I usually kind of focusing on those images that everybody likes, I'll pull them into mood boards and mood boards are just a collection of images like that have either an aesthetic or a conceptual point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll just kind of, I'll kind of push and pull like things that are more traditional, tr- things that are more modern. I'll kind of group those images together and then we'll just have another conversation about it. So what one thing I'm never doing in these mood boards or in this image sort is like saying, here's some other brand. Do you like it? And should we copy them? Right. What we're doing is just really having a conversation. Yes. Yeah. So it's never like here's a mood board of things and your brand is going to look just like this. Oh my God, please no. Yes. Yeah, please no. It's more um, like, let's have a conversation about the things you like, the things you don't like, and the reasons behind that. Because then, you know, again, it's like those inputs. I need the information. I need the inputs from you about what just like, what feels good to you, what you're responding to. And then that allows me to go into the design process. Mm -hmm. You know, with some information at my fingertips, and a sense of what you're going to like, what you're not going to like. Because the reality is I can't design like 10 concepts for you. I usually design three. So I want to know 
before we get started that we're not wasting each other's time. I want to know, Yes. you know, I want to know that whatever I design is going to be in the right ballpark. Yes. I love everything you just said. And I think it's so insightful for people to hear how much work goes into this before we even start designing. Like nothing has been drawn yet. There is no logo. There is nothing. There is really, you know, because this whole, um, I remember that image sort exercise and it, I, I don't really know another way to do it besides how you do it because it's so emotional. I remember you asking me like, why don't you like this? And it's even hard to put into words. I'm like, I don't like it because I don't like, it looks globby. Like, is that even a word? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. right. But having to explain why you like things and why you don't like things really just speaks to how we respond to visual images, like from our emotions. And it's not something that we can talk about in an email or use words. Like we just, you know, we need the the visual inputs, right, to really, as a springboard, to have the conversation in the first place. Yeah. Well, and I think that's also why you want to have a designer that you're really comfortable with. And it's somebody mm-hmm. that you feel like respects you and respects your vision. Because I work with people who are extremely sophisticated visually. And I also work with people who like really, you know, don't know a lot about design. Mm-hmm. And either way is fine. Because like everybody naturally likes things. And so you need to work with somebody who, no matter what your like, you know, level of design sophistication is, you need to work with somebody who's going to help you understand what you like so they can design something you're going to like. Yeah. So they can be your visual translator. Yeah. And I I think like design can be really snobby and designers can be really snobby. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, they're always going to know more about design than you do. So make sure that you find somebody who is going to be nice about that and is going to make you feel good and listened to and heard and is not going to talk down to you. I think that's important. Yes. Yes. I mean, thankfully, I've never had a bad experience with a designer because I've only worked with you and you are not snobby. (laughs) (laughs) But but I can imagine that there are other designers that are, right? And they think that they know better and whatever. But I think that, again, what you're saying, you know, the, the takeaway is that the founder has to come with a vision, right? And you have to be so strong in that that nothing can throw you off. You know, so if a designer, let's say you do hire a snobby designer and they're like, well, it really should look like this. And I'm like, no, let's go back to the creative brief where I told you what this was about and who we are talking to and why we exist and where we're going. This is our guide. Right. So it just really I think that that is going back to this point for everyone out there who's going to go search for a designer. You're leading. You are leading the conversation. Right. And then the designer is you know, the visual translator of this, right? Because they're going to use their expertise and their art and their talent to then turn this into a visual of what you have decided you are trying to build, right? Yeah, well, and, you know, I think it's so important to have a vision too because if you don't have some real... I don't even know what the words are, but if there is like no there there, you're going to end up relying on trend. If you Mm. don't have some really important, like conceptual and emotional underpinning to what you want to do with your brand, Mm -hmm. you're just going to get something that looks trendy and looks like everything else. Mm, Love that point. The only way to like get beyond what people think is cool and hot right now is to have a a really truly unique point of view. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then work with a designer who can help you bring that forward in the packaging. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes. And I also just want to go back to this other point that you said earlier about when you're pulling together all of these images of things you like, you're not just pulling like your competitors and saying, Hey, Abby, can you make me something like this? I really like how this Bath and Body brand looks like. We were pulling images from like pottery, right? And from blankets and from lifestyles and from hotels. Like 
it, you're creating a universe, you're right. You're creating this feeling of what you want your customers to feel. And so anyone out there that's, you know, working on their branding for the first time, you should not be pulling just packaging from your competitors, right? Because like to your point of what you're saying, then you're just going to create something that just looks like what's already out there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an echo chamber. And I think especially these days, I like trends cycle so fast and Mm. like, and even brands like cycle so fast. I think like 10, 20 years ago, people, I feel like brands kind of lasted longer, but because in a, in a way, I think it's great because it's really accessible now for normal people to start brands. But mm-hmm. at the same time, what you see a lot of is people like starting a brand and their packaging is not really meant to last because they do it fast. They don't pick mm-hmm. the right designer. They don't put enough time and money into it. And mm-hmm. then they end up having to redo it. Mm. So it just sort of is like these trends just cycle so fast. All beauty looks the same all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And like the specifics will change, but it is just sort of like everything looks the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everything looks the same. And you get sick of it and you know people get sick of it mm-hmm. fast so the only way to get around that is to do something different bold right bold and yeah. unique with a with a very unique point of view yes it's such a great point Abby, I could talk to you all day long and I'm sure people have a million questions, but too bad because this is a podcast, you guys. So there's no Q&A. Okay. (laughs) So write down everything Abby just said, because this was so, so valuable and so insightful to hear it from your perspective as a designer. You also get to select your clients, right? Like it's not just clients out there looking for designers. Like, you know, it's like when I talk to brands about sales, right? I always like to remind brands, like there's hundreds of you and there's like three sales reps. So when people are like, how do I find a sales rep? How do I find it? I'm like, listen, there's more of you than there are of them. So they get to pick. They get to pick and choose, right? And who are they going to pick? They're going to pick the people that have put in the, the thought behind a vision, who have put in the time, who have clarity of what they're trying to accomplish. Because we live in this age of the internet where anyone can just go on you know, 99designs and hire a designer and make a logo. And it seems like anyone can do it. But not everyone can have a vision. Um, it's just so great to hear from your perspective, right? As how you also select your, your clients. So actually I have a fire round of questions, Abby, but before I do that, do you have any last things that you want to say that you think are important that brands out there should know before I, I hit you with our fire round of rapid questions? My one fast thing that I think everybody should know about getting in touch with a designer is don't be flaky because you would not imagine the amount of people who are super flaky. So, (gasps) you know, like, I mean, I'm compassionate. I get that things happen, but if communicate, communicate. Yeah. If you don't answer my emails in a reasonable amount of time, if you're late for a call or you don't show up for it, you've missed your chance. Like, bye. I don't have time for that. And I think it's like a huge red flag in the first couple of communications Mm. if somebody is flaky like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, don't be that person. Be on time. Be responsive. By on time, everyone, we mean five minutes early. Okay. Um, (laughs) Because, yes, listen, that goes for all of life, right? So, yes. You know, I taught a free workshop yesterday and so many people were late because it was free. And I guarantee Mm. you that if it was a paid workshop, everyone would have come on time. Yes. Don't be flaky. Like respect people's time out of the gate. I love that advice. That's that's for everything, all of life. Yeah. Okay, Abby. So here we go. Rapid fire. Number one, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? I have two. Learn how to take a compliment and <laughs> learn how to say no. Yes. Love both of those. Number two, what does success look like to you? To me, success looks like 
basically just like being able to work with awesome people who are doing awesome things. I think we spend so much of our time working and for most people work is not optional. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, it certainly is not optional. I must work. And so I insist on having a really good time and working with really nice people. Yeah, that's the dream. That is, that is not a hard ask. You deserve that. I love that. (laughs) Thanks. Um, Okay. Number three, what does your perfect day look like? Don't hold back. Gee, I have no idea. I think I need to put more thought into that. Um, I think my perfect day involves like waking up very leisurely, uh, doing a working out because I always feel better when I work out. So I try to work out every day. Then like having a nice, long, delicious, nutritious (laughs) breakfast, like reading a good book, a little sunshine peeking in through the windows. Yes. And then to be honest, like working on something. I love to work even on my days off. Like I I try to not work too much. And in fact, my time is very focused, but Mm -hmm. I feel like getting something accomplished every day, whether it's doing design work or repairing something on my house, whatever, I just get so much satisfaction from like a job well done. I, and that just speaks so much to your character, Abby. I mean, (laughs) most people, when I'm like, tell me your perfect day, they're like, I'm on a yacht, I'm in the Caribbean, right? And you're like, I like to work and fix things in my house. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) everybody meet Abby Haddikin. Okay, I love it. Um, Number four, what do you want to be remembered for? You know, I, I don't know who says this. I'm sure it's like a famous quote, but I feel like people always remember how you made them feel. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know that I'll be remembered for like some great accomplishment in this world. You know, I don't think I'm going to go down in the history books or anything, but I would hope that people will remember that I made them feel good in, in some way. Yes, I am one of those people. You make me feel good. Uh, so, <laughs> so we're already bringing that. We're already manifesting that. I love that. Okay. And just final question. And this question is kind of more tailored to other product makers, but I think that you can still answer it in your way from your perspective, which is what is the thing that you wish you would have known before launching Abby Haddock Design Studio, before starting your own business? I wish I would have been better earlier at saying no, because mm. I have gotten, I have gotten quite good at saying no to things that are not a good fit for me now, mm-hmm. but I definitely probably in like the first year, I definitely took a lot of projects that were not a great fit for various reasons. Like mm-hmm. it paid well, or it seemed like it would be interesting. But at this point I have a much better sense of what's going to be the best use of my time and like mm. where my talents are best applied. Mm-hmm. So, um, I wish I would have, I wish I would have known how to say no. Mm. That is, I think that a lot of people can resonate with that. I mean, I certainly can. (laughs) Um, We can talk about my two marriages some other time, but yes, exactly. (laughs) Saying no is very important, folks. Okay, Abby, thank you so much for this really insightful and transparent conversation. I know that people are going to get a lot out of it and it's going to help them prepare for really building a strong brand. And just to hear it from your mouth, I just thank you so much for, for your time and for your energy. And I love working with you, as you know, and can't wait to work with you again. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. And thanks for being one of the all-time greatest clients. Oh, okay. Again, I'm not paying Abby to say that, but I will take that compliment. All-time greatest, coolest people. Oh, I love you. (laughs) I love you too. Thank you, Abby. (laughs) Yep. Thanks, Sandra. Visit nopalera.co to pick up your favorite self-care items for yourself and your friends and family. Join our mailing list to be the first to hear about new products and exclusive promotions and follow us on IG at nopalera.co. 
And if you are an entrepreneur looking for more real talk and resources, you can join my entrepreneurial newsletter from my personal website, sandraliliavelasquez.com, and be the first to know when I host workshops and masterclasses. Everything is linked below in the show notes. Stay resilient.